Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I'm here with Burton LeBlanc. Thank you for being here, Burton. This is amazing. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for having me. Burton LeBlanc is a three-time Emmy-winning, four-time Guild, Met Fashion Award, nominated makeup artist, department head, and designer behind the most intense, amazing, crazy show ever, The Handmaid's Tale. And I, I guess I originally was introduced or found your page through, I guess it was Colin Watkinson, who was on the show before. I love your work. It's incredible to see the behind the scenes. We're going to start from the very beginning. What's the cool origin story? Are you picking up like a brush, makeup? How do you get into this? Is it a theater thing? Where is it all from? I, You know, people ask me this and it's kind of, uh, it just kind of, I don't want to say kind of fell into place because it's a little bit out of the ordinary, I guess. But, you know, I was always artistically inclined. My, my parents put me in art classes when I was a kid, my sister and I. And it developed early on. And then as the years went on, I was, you know, great for Halloween, good at putting things together, makeup, you know, costumes, all that kind of thing. And then I uh, started researching schools. Um, as I got older, I realized it's kind of something I maybe want to do, I was really interested in. Uh, so I found out about schools. I ended up going to Joe Blasco in Orlando, Florida, uh, a school just for um, geared specifically for hair and makeup nice. in film TV. I'm blissfully naive to the world of makeup, but I remember that there's a specific shot that got me into The Handmaid's Tale. So I originally fell in love with Elizabeth Moss, your, your friend Lizzie. Uh, that's for you to say, not for me. But Elizabeth, <laughs> I, I loved her as Peggy on Mad Men. Mad Men, you know, no offense to Handmaid's Tale, but it's still, that's like my yeah. safe place. That's my home. I love it. I've seen it 17 times, all of it. I loved her on that. And then my wife was watching The Handmaid's Tale. I didn't originally catch on, but then I saw this shot, like right up close and personal of Elizabeth Moss' face. And I was like, what What show is this? And like, it's just so crazy to see. And then, and then I got to thinking about like the, the makeup and I saw all the different special effects and stuff that were going on and just like the intimacy of the show. And that really got me excited about it. But that's gotta be a lot of pressure having everything be so HD, crystal clear and like right up on their face. I think that Handmaid does that more than any other show that I've seen. So is that a lot of pressure? Is it scary when they're, when you're, you know, they got that AK camera right in their face? <laughs> it, it really is. In the beginning it was, I really felt the pressure and I still feel the pressure. I'm, I'm better at dealing with it now, but a thousand percent, you definitely feel the pressure when the camera is moves in closer and closer in those super tight shots that Handmaid's is known for on Lizzie Moss. Um, it's, it's a lot of pressure in the beginning, I'm, I'm, but basically I'm right there as they're filming each scene, like each shot, like throughout the day, I'm, I'm right there watching behind the monitor so I can see exactly, you know, what's happening. Um, so I'm constantly jumping in back yeah. and forth, making little adjustments, but it's a, definitely the pressure is real and it's, um, it's definitely there. When you're working with a cinematographer and you're working on set. I know as a photographer, sometimes there's always like hair and makeup wants to get involved and, you know, you might see something in the middle of a scene. Talk about like that, the communication and, and do they, is it, is it kind of like walking on, do you ever get like nervous? Do you have to learn to assert yourself? What is that process like? You definitely have to learn to assert yourself. You kind of know exactly what you want to bring to the table. You know your job. You obviously have to bring, you know, your A game. Uh, so that that comes first, but then you definitely have to develop relationships with obviously the director, cinematographer, um, Colin Watkinson, 
is fantastic. Oh, I love, I miss him. You know, he's been great to work with and collaborate with. But from the beginning, the conversation that he and I have always had together and throughout the couple seasons that he was there, three seasons maybe, he would always come to me with anything you need. Like he was always there, right? He, he and I would have private conversations off the side. Like, what do you think of this? Do you want to do a little bit more? Do you want to do this? Like little adjustments. So he was always, always there um, and a great guy. And, and that is that's a huge part of it. Like just to have that trust and to have that, that communication going. For it's sure. huge. Yeah, that's got to be crazy. Now I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because I'm excited, but I have questions about the beginning of the day. I know that makeup has got to be first on set. I listen, and by the way, I just want to give a proper shout out before he thinks I'm like aping his questions. I listened to the Pascal show. It was really great and uh, amazing interview. If you guys want uh, more of Burton, the, shout out to the Pascal show. You were talking about getting to set sometimes at 4.30. What's that process like at the beginning of the day, having to get these people up really early and they're sitting in the chair for a long time? What's that like? Well, I mean, I think the first thing that people really don't realize, maybe don't think about so much, is really kind of taking care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. I mean, lots of rest, um, you know, having a good, you know, maybe relaxing home life, whatever you're going to do, just relax, decompress, get yourself in a really good place because you've got to be on, you've got to be ready at two, three, four in the morning for possibly an 18 hour day, five oh days God. a week. So if you're not, if you're not in that zone and ready, then you're not going to be able to do your job. You won't be there for, you know, what you need to do because the pressure is there and, and the demand physically is high. So it's just, you know, being there super early and bringing your A game to the table with all of that being rusted, um, just feeling great. You know, I, I go to the gym, anything you need to do that can kind of get you to that place is great. And just be ready for, you know, when we start at four 30 in the morning, five in the morning, sometimes earlier. And wow. to be there for the actors and to be there for them. Because if you're not there first for yourself and keeping yourself in that kind of tip top shape, you can't really be there for them when they need to, you know what I mean? You're moving and you're, you're going. Right. So it's, it's tough, but that's all part of the job. Absolutely. I would imagine that you become very close with these people because you're spending all this time together and this seemingly intimate experience, right? Like you're right up in their face first thing in the morning. Does, do you ever end up becoming like a therapist type figure, best friend? What is that like? It, or do you, do you try not talk to them, leave them alone? Or is it different? Only you talk. It, it just depends. I think everybody is different. Every personality is different. So I think it just depends on the performer, on the actor. Some you get closer to, some you get more into their, they, they open up a little bit more. Um, so just like in real life, it just depends on the personality. So we do get, you do get close to some of them, some it just depends that can be you know that just varies and depending on the personality of the performer but you yeah. do tend to get close and you get a good connection and that you have to obviously build trust because that is really huge as well you build a trust issue they want to know that they're being taken care of that they're looking a certain way that you had uh, discussed you know with them everything's going the way that it should and they put a lot of trust in you so you're being there for them obviously as well one of the things that I, I found fascinating and learning about your process and I never really thought about was there's all these different people, all these different looks, right? You have Fred who's got like the painted grays in his, in his beard. I'm telling you, I, I prepared for this one. Um, <laughs> you know, you have Elizabeth Moss who has her looks in Gilead, her looks in Canada, all these different things and, and, and expressions and looks and colors and gray tone. And then there was another expression that you, that you kept using, but right. 
is it hard to um to kind of keep track of everything and i would imagine on such a big set you have to delegate and work with with a team how does how does that work and how do you keep it all consistent in between all the shots and everything well, I do have a team. I have two main people with me, my key makeup and the next person down makeup artist. So there's three of us, me plus two, plus on the bigger days with extras and more day players, you would have another one, two, three, sometimes four or five extra people. So definitely you keep all track of that. So you kind of look at the schedule, the call sheet in the morning and you would kind of, I would look at it and delegate, you know, the main performers obviously would be me plus my two main people. And then the rest would be delegated um, according to a conversation that day. I'd kind of look and see what the schedule is and see who's going to take care of what. As far as the makeup, um, in the very, very beginning, we would have camera tests, you know, with the cinematographer, with Colin Watkinson and with uh, Mike Barker, the director at the time, kind of got the show running. Reed Morano obviously was a huge uh, force in the beginning of the show, getting everything on the uh, getting everything running. Um, so it's just getting all of those main looks started and then you have, that's your kind of core looks for the show. And then you kind of veer off these little intricate, little detailed nuances throughout different looks going to Toronto and things like that. But definitely there's a huge, it just, it's just lots of notes. We, we take photos every day, notes every day. It's all being like kept detailed notes for so that's always there. So, and, and a lot of times you can't necessarily remember everything because we'll go back to a scene that we did a month before and you just have to kind of like look at those. Like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then it all comes back. Yeah. But it's almost impossible to kind of remember every exact little, you know. Yeah. So we keep track of it a lot. A lot of tracking pictures, notes. Do you have to find people that have a very similar style to you or, or do you hire and work with people that they kind of, fill in for what you maybe don't have or maybe aren't as much of an expert at how do you make that decision well i think that's a good point i think that's always the thing you you hire people and i, and I hire people that i know and i like and I, I know their work and i like them on a personal level as well because you have to have some kind of connection that you get along that when you tell them something they're going to you know take the information and do what you would like to be done for that person or for the you know, whatever the scene is so you definitely have to take that consideration and it, it is a big deal so there's a combination of all of that it's all of that in there i know that you use mostly alcohol-based makeup i feel weird saying this because i don't really know what i'm talking about but I, that's something that kind of like goes into the skin how does that work and for people that are that are makeup nerds maybe they're a little bit more privy to this what kind of solutions are you using? And if somebody wants to make some sort of cool looking handmaid's thing, what's your best advice? As far, yeah, I use alcohol-based makeup uh, for more of the effecty type stuff because it, it gets, tends to go right into the pores because you can get it really fine. You know, the mixture is really delicate and really kind of works into the pores as opposed to like a cream base where you think of the cream would be a little bit heavier and thicker. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't necessarily, you know, go right in there. It would kind of like leave this little film so if you think of it like that, the alcohol base was more of a, like a watery kind of consistency. So it would just be really fine. But at the same time, if you don't know how to use it properly, because it's so fine, I mean, it can just kind of like drop off the face. So okay. there really is, it has to be the right exact consistency to use for that. So it's a little bit trickier to use, but once you get it right, um, it's the best thing, especially for those close-ups where you don't want to be able to see any makeup because it gets right to the pores. Yeah, does that change between the different shows that you're on because i know for example like if you're working on broadway or something there needs to be right 
the first time I, I went behind the scenes and saw, I was like, why are they, why does their makeup look so creepy? It's like, oh no, it needs to be seen from like a hundred feet away. Yeah. Is this, this alcohol-based solution that's a little bit more in the details, is this because you're working on handmaids or is this is something that you've done before? Or? It's for handmaids only because of the, the, the really super, you know, tight close-ups on handmaids where you don't want to see the makeup. So that's yeah. the main reason why. But definitely in theater, theatrical makeup can be heavier and it can be, you know, it can still be alcohol based because it's really going to grab and hold on to the face and to the skin. So that's mm -hmm. another good thing with sweating and a lot of movement. It's going to hold better. Um, but definitely theatrical is heavier, thicker, you know, with usually creamier type face makeup. A little behind the scenes. Maybe you can like clue me in on this. Did the actors... Okay, I have like a like a Canon R6. I'm a portrait photographer. I already have such a hard time taking someone's photograph and then going in and editing it. And then I send it to them and they're like, can you edit this? I'm like, oh, I, I edited the crap out of this. Like, but sure, I guess I'll go off more. In cinematography and film, the cameras are 15,000 times better than that. And they're up close and it's video. So you can't really edit it. Two questions right. along that line. Uh, did the actors kind of push to like, you know, especially like I would imagine not to profile whatever, but I would imagine like the female actors in particular don't really want that. Do they ask you guys to kind of like push the camera back? And number two, is there a way that you can edit this stuff in post-production? Um, this might be a dumb question, but is there a way afterwards you could like kind of, I know you can, you know, punch up the colors and stuff like that, but what if something is wrong on the makeup? Is there a way that you could CGI that shit in or how does that work? <laughs> they, could, they could make little adjustments if they need to. Yeah. I mean, the great thing with, with Elizabeth Moss is she wasn't afraid of that. And that that's a huge um, coming together of collaborators like myself, the, the cinematographer and the leading lady that, she, that wasn't afraid of the tight close-ups. And we were able to kind of, you know, just go for it and just go right in there. And to have her also as the executive producer, the leading actress and sitting in my chair, we would just discuss things and beforehand and kind of collaborate and say, oh, this is what we're going to do. And we didn't have to go to these other people to kind of like, yeah, that's okay. That's not okay. So that was a great thing with her and what her and I have as far as collaborating, but um, that she, that she wasn't afraid, but they're not all like that though. Not all the actors are okay with that. So you kind of have to tweak and you have to get them comfortable. So that's why you have dialogue and you have conversations beforehand. Um, with the performer and then with the director, make sure everybody's on the same page. Also with somebody like Colin Watkinson, just to make sure everybody's happy, everybody's on the same page. But actually when we start filming the scene and doing the first shot or two, we're all there collaborating and watching. And it's like, mm, I don't know about that. Can we, you know, between myself and the director and the performer and the cinematographer. So you can make those little tweaks and adjustments. Yeah. So that, that's a huge deal too. And that does happen. Now, I, I know from the Pascal show that you've been there since the beginning. What's weird about Handmaid is that, is that the, there's never been a big, I mean, like the, the, the sets have gotten bigger and it's gotten, but the quality has been there from the very beginning. Like if you look at early episodes of Mad Men and then like season seven of Mad Men, it's almost like from a cinematography standpoint, it's almost two different shows. But the quality from the very beginning, season one of The Handmaid's Tale has been remarkable and crazy. But I know that it, it's always moving. There's always new. I always thought it was like the same tight-knit people, but I've learned from Colin and everybody that it's always this kind of moving. It's not like a revolving door, but different directors, different yes. producers and all the different stuff. Yeah. Is yeah. it weird to be there from the beginning? And, and do you ever feel like sometimes that it gets 
too big, too many cooks in the kitchen. I want, I want the dirt. Give me the dirt. <laughs> uh, another good point. Too many cooks in the kitchen. I mean, it, it's it's funny now because the people, a lot of people that have been there this season, last season, um, you're right. There's something to be said about being there from the very beginning. And I kind of enjoy that. And I like that because I have, I have everything in my head and I have all those details um, that I can refer back to. But, but you're right. It, it does, especially for the, the newer ones coming in, like, okay, you know, you, you, everybody's there for a reason and we all have the jobs, our own jobs to do, but there's something to be said from being there from the beginning and having that, uh, I think it brings a little bit of respect. Right. And like seniority kind of thing. Yeah. The very beginning. So definitely the, the good points, but yeah. Um, too many cooks in the kitchen. I mean, because the show has gotten so big and, um, our actually unit are the size of our unit of, of the show. Like when we go parking, we go to park our unit to film for the day. If we're on location, it's grown from a certain amount of trucks and trailers to like triple the size now. So it's gotten really, it's gotten really huge. So you need, we need more people. You need more people on set. You need more people to deal with everything. Do you but have, um, like these nostalgic moments where you just want to be back in like, you know, back in June's bedroom <laughs> with the window. Like, yes. like do, you, do you watch yeah. that? Do you get nostalgic yes. when you watch it? Yes. Yeah. No, you hit hit it on the mark there. I do. And when that when they closed off that house, when that was done, the Waterford house was was taken apart and the Burned bedroom to the was gone. I, I I took a lot of pictures because I knew it was gonna happen like the next week or something. So I went to in the bedroom, I took pictures of my own personal self, you know. So I, I do feel nostalgia for that and for those yeah. moments and for being in that house. And um I have a soft spot for season one. I really like enjoyed season one. But it was crazy. definitely Definitely. I just watched in preparation for the new season coming out and also for this for this podcast. Uh, there's this, uh, this the, the recaps guy or something on YouTube. Most of my life when I'm not recording this episode is me just binge watching YouTube. It's, it's kind of sad, honestly. Right. I really need to like get out of the house more. But I, <laughs> I there's this guy and he really like rifles through the seasons like like, like one after it's, it's like jump cuts of like what happens in the show. And I forgot like season one wasted no time and was so insane from like really set the tone for the show and as i'm watching this thing all these traumatic things like like when they hung that girl from that crane like with emily like these little yeah it's it's almost like it's almost like trauma you you forget that it happened because it was like so fucked up that you're like, and he was kind of just like going from one thing to the other to the other and i'm like oh and i forgot about that oh yeah so messed up yeah. What's it like to watch the show? Is it hard for you to get into it since you know? I'm, I'm so fascinated by this. Like, do you watch it like I watch it or do you watch it like? I, I get into it. I can really get into it. Um, yeah, it still hits me. So I still get emotional for certain scenes. I still, uh, it still hits me hard, like certain things. But yeah. I, I do get, I, I, I feel it. I can get emotional watching. You know, because a lot of them hit, hit uh, points home that things like that really are happening. So maybe right. it's not. You know, it, it really does hit you. Yeah. Always but getting back to season one, people say that they can't really walk into the show. Not so much now, but in the beginning, because they were getting through season one with all those kind of mm-hmm. crazy things that were happening. But I always tell people, it's like, well, you got to get, it's setting it up. We got to get through that and to see all those crazy, horrible things to kind of get through, you know, to the next stage of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Where there's more hope, the more there's, you know, more positive things happening for sure let's say that somebody is in school for for makeup or i don't know what the exact degree is called again blissfully naive but they want to do what you do 
They got enough to get a couple of things at, at Ulta. And they want to practice on their friends. They're starting from the ground up. But one day they want to work with an Elizabeth Moss type character. What's your advice? Where do you start? People to follow, YouTube videos to watch, books to read. I want it all. I mean, I think all of the above. I think they just have to know exactly. First of all, they have to know exactly what they want. Um, and not be like, well, I'm not sure what I want to do. I don't know. Do I want to do like they have to really kind of like get into their head and get into their zone, like figure out exactly what they want to go, where they want to go. They want to do theater makeup. They want to get into film and TV fashion. But if they want to get into film and TV, I'm sure there's always uh, courses within their cities that they can kind of figure out, see what they are and um, enroll in them. Did you ever have a time, and I know that like imposter syndrome is an overused, oversaturated word, but it's, it's a real thing, right? Did you ever have a time where you felt that way? You felt you were just doing someone's makeup and you thought, I'm never going to make it. Or you're just doing some crappy gig and just, you know, you went home for the holidays and you're like, I don't know if I could do this anymore. Is there any story like that with, with you? And, and how did you get to a place where you locked down that first real gig? Well, getting back to what I was saying previously, like once I decided what I wanted to do, get into makeup, get into film and TV, for me, I kind of, I make up my mind, that's my decision and I go forward. So I never really had that that vibe or that thought where I'm like, this isn't really what I want to do. I'm not quite sure. I mean, you have those days and you have those moments where you're like really tired and, you know, some we've done like 21 hour days, 24 hour days on shows early on. But um, so there's always moments like that. You're like exhausted and you're like, okay, that's when you start to maybe question it because you're so really tired. And you're like, I don't know, what am I doing here? Uh, to be in the business, at least, you know, which is different from fashion and theater makeup and all that other stuff. So I think those are the only moments where I maybe would question it when I was like in a really super tired mode. But other than that, I never really questioned. Once I decided what I wanted to do, I kept pushing forward because I knew there was a long road to get to Elizabeth Moss or, or to people of that caliber from the very beginning. And that's where I wanted to go. That's where. And, and I always had that, you know, that path in my head. Yeah, absolutely. I, and it's so funny because I've interviewed like 180 people at this point. And when I first started out, I was like, what's the secret? What's the secret? And every single person, like 180 people, I like 170 of them have said patience. And when you're young, you don't want to hear that. You're like, yeah, it's but true. like I'm crap. Like, in my mind, I was yeah. like, yeah, but I work until 4 a.m. Every, every night and I'm going to expedite this process. It's really just, it's not the case, but it's so hard to hear that when you're just it's setting true. out. But yeah. Know, Especially when you're younger, you know, in your 20s or whatever, you, you, you just, everybody wants it now. Even the younger makeup artists come in and they, they expect it. They, they think it's going to happen right away and it's not. As you mentioned before, there is such a, a love for the show and people are fanatical about it. People dress up in, in, in the outfit and, and use it in protest. And, you know, as somebody has, who has been there from the, from the jump, from the beginning, did you ever in your wildest dreams imagine that the show would be number one, so cult culturally relevant, but also to just become this like visual language that is like larger than life and, and, and a real like reference point in modern day society. Did you guys ever think that that would happen? Well, you never quite know that. I mean, it's always, you're always hoping things are going to be you know that great, but you never quite know. But I'll tell you when I, when they sent me the script, for handmaids for the pilot i was on another show and they sent it to me and um i read it and i thought wow i i felt it then and i tell people this story now it's like really because you get a lot of scripts sent to you you read them and like okay well 
but th- this one I felt. And um, at that point, I didn't have the show, but it's like, I need to have the show. I need this, <laughs> I need to do this. Because yeah. you felt it, you felt it in the writing. You knew that you, you really felt the story, at least the way it was written, it was like fantastic. So um, yeah, I went for it. I knew I need to have it. So, and then I got it. But once it start, once you start doing it, like, because you're doing the episodes and it hasn't aired yet, maybe for another, you know, few months or whatever. So all you, you got back was from the showrunner, Bruce Miller would, you know, he and I would have conversations and he would tell me, say, Oh, everything's been done. The editing is great. Like makeup's fantastic, but nobody, the public hasn't seen anything yet. So you're still on, you know, pins and needles. You're not quite sure. It's like how it's going to be perceived. But then it all came together and everything was great. But you never quite know it's going to be huge. But I have to say, when we started filming and once things, you know, started getting out there and people were watching it, you felt the, the electricity and you felt it was great to feel all those moments of the show getting bigger and people responding to it. And it was it's a great feeling. And I remember just being like walking on the street, walking like past people and they'd be talking about the show just in oh like random conversations. It was the weirdest thing I'd never <laughs> had before, but that—that's what I knew was pretty special. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. I would imagine the Halloween is kind of crazy when it's. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would imagine that this year it's probably going to be. I, I said to my wife that this year it's going to be like the strange. You know, I might just stay in for for Halloween this year because it's going to be nothing but Stranger Things. It's like Hellfire yeah. shirts or whatever. But I would imagine yeah. that it's pretty cool the first time you see an outfit that you work and put together, and then someone's walking down this like yeah walking down the street with it on. It's going to be crazy. Yeah especially with a show like Handmaids, how often do you have friends, family members, people you used to go to school with, people trying to get dirt on the show? And, and, and how does that work? And how do they get you guys to like not talk about that? Like if, if, you're, if your mom asks, you know, like is Serena's baby Tuello's baby? And she asks you that and you can't answer. That's my theory, by the way. <laughs> my theory, not his. Don't, don't chop this up. Yeah. Do you not answer? Can you not answer? Do you sign NDAs? Can you legally get? We sued? all sign con- like contractually NDAs. We all have to sign something in the beginning, so we, we all do that. Do people ever go, little things and little kind of maybe just graze over a certain subject? Maybe you know, but generally people are pretty good and they have enough respect for the show. But we all have to sign, you know, NDAs. Yeah. Do, you, do your family members really push you though? Like when you're at Christmas, to like they come do. On, my, my sister, my sister actually pushes. She asks me a lot. Like I can't, I can't. <laughs> tell you. And first of all, you don't want to know. I tell her, like you don't want to know. Anyway, she's like, yeah, you're right. I don't want to know. So right. uh, yeah, but there are people that push, hundred uh, <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yo, that's my that's my theory. For no one brings that up, so maybe it's just like an idiotic theory. But like, <laughs> okay, I'm, these, these are my own personal views. I just feel like Tuello and her had this tension. That's the name, right? I am saying the right name. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. They, had, they had this tension at the airport and they kind of gloss over that, like real, like on the low, like I could get you out of here kind of thing. And that's such like a trope in all like these romance novels, like he could like save you. And then like uh, Fred is infertile and then Nick, and then they have the baby. I'm telling you, that's the bombshell. That's my prediction. Uh, I, don't say anything. I don't want to get you in trouble because I know yeah. that's probably going to be true. So that's my theory. I, it, I hope it's not too crazy. Maybe I missed something in the. I don't know. It's not a bad theory. I like not, it. I like it's, it. It's not brought up though in like the YouTube videos and stuff yeah. and all the predictors and they they say that maybe Serena will be a handmaid this time. I don't know, but we'll see. Well, this has been so much fun. I know I've been all over the rails today. I appreciate you putting up with my my fanboying and my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was. I hope I wasn't too crazy. This has been a lot of fun. Um, 
closing advice for people just starting out, anything you want to promote, have coming up, you want to say to the, put out into the world, the floor is yours. And thank you for your time today. But any advice, shameless self-promotion time, it's all you. Thank you, Rob. No, it's been great. Thanks for your time. Um, I actually have a movie coming out, Mila Kunis. It's coming out October 7th. Wow. Uh, so that's coming out soon. Handmaid's Tale will be out September 14th. And I'm, we're starting on a pilot, a uh, television pilot, uh, on the 14th of September. So we've got a few things going on. But yeah, October 7th for the Mila Kunis thing. Uh, Burton LeBlanc on Instagram. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thanks, All right, Take care, Burton. Bye. Bye.